listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Fishpile. Size does matter, Zach. That's not what everybody's told me. You're listening to Nostalgia (laughs) Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood or movies that you look back on fondly and we dissect them, let you know if they're worthy of your nostalgia or not. This week we watched 1998's sci-fi action thriller, Godzilla. 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 Let's let's you know what? Let's not sully the uh, the Japanese on this movie because I don't think they deserve it. Uh, this is Godzilla, the American version, as Hollywood as you can get, buddy. Yeah, about as vanilla white bread Godzilla as you can get. Uh, much requested by our listener base. Further proof that they don't actually like us. <laughs> I don't know that they necessarily even like this movie. I think this is one of the notorious late 90s duds uh, that people like to pick on. I'm sure many other podcasts have done this very film. But we thought, and again, I'm speaking for myself. I don't necessarily know your history with this. But this was one, if I'm being honest... I truly enjoyed as a, as a young man. <laughs> Absolutely, and it definitely harkens back to the days where I clearly really didn't know any better. I had this movie on DVD, and it was watched enough where the case got a little worn out. See, my parents refused to own this one. I think this was so stupid that they never really? wanted to watch it again. And this is coming from the kid who almost burnt out his VHS tape of Deep Blue Sea, so that's saying something. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think this movie always kind of struck a Accord with me for the uh, undeniable parallels with Jurassic Park, and I'm sure that's something that we'll end up covering as we move further into this podcast. But um, yeah, it was a movie that like I didn't really have a big history with Godzilla, all the prior Japanese Godzilla films or anything like that. So it was a movie that always just kind of stuck with me as a kid, and then I went forever. Uh, having not seen it, I think the last time I saw it, uh, I was drunk. I can't remember what happened and, uh, man, it's a, it's a different movie from what I remember for sure. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a good 15 years, at least honestly, all the way through. I I, I've probably seen a couple of clips here and there on FX or AMC, which it always used to run on back in the day. This was a movie that, yeah, I caught a lot at friends' houses. I, I didn't see this in theaters, despite being bombarded by the marketing. I remember this was one of the very first movies that I was hyped for and wanted to see in theaters, but my parents just did not uh, did not want to see it for whatever reason. And while I didn't have a love for that character, I was huge into creature features and monster movies and that horror element. So this was, yeah, right up my alley, right alongside uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, I would later find out to be a much better film and that would stick with me. This one, despite having a boom when I was about 10 years old in my life, I, again, have not revisited in quite some time. I talked about this a lot on the playground, and I also had a hand puppet of this that uh, would shriek and yell, because I was a huge fan of the scream of Godzilla. This, this little scream, his roar, was in so many commercials. No, it, it was not a big thing among my circle of friends. <laughs> oh, because you had smarter friends, I guess. Fuck you. Yeah, I had smarter friends. But I uh, I do remember all the commercials, specifically the Taco Bell commercial, uh, because I love Taco Bell. 
if Taco Bell wants to give us free money for this podcast, I will uh, gladly accept it, and I will promote the hell out of their uh, gordita crunch or whatever the hell they're promoting next. Yeah, their nacho fries or whatever those things are. Get Josh Duhamel out of there and get Zach and Brandon up in there, Taco Bell. Yes, sir. Please. Anyway. This is right around the time I'm actually getting into seeing those big budget movies in theaters like Men in Black. This is where I'm getting excited about movies, man. But my parents still, no matter how excited I was for this one, did not want to endure the two hours and 20 minutes of this fucking film. Thanks a lot, Zach, by the way. Uh, excuse me? What? I don't know why I'm pinning this on you, but I feel like... This is kind of your fault. <laughs> uh, I did not ask to watch this movie. This was a listener request. Well, let's not tip our hand because maybe we love this. Maybe. No. Oh. No, hand tipped. <laughs> well, it's uh, directed by our good friend Roland Emmerich mm. and produced by Dean Devlin, the second of their films to be covered here on the show. But you have to go all the way back to episode numero two. For Independence Day, for our first uh, interactions with these young men, that was not a great episode for us, probably. You know what I mean? You know, don't, probably don't go back and listen to that one if you can avoid it. But that was our second episode, man. Yeah, don't bother. Gosh. And uh, uh, you know what? I could have went another 60 episodes without watching another Roland Emmerich film. But, uh, you know, uh, here we are. Alas, here we are. And in case you did not know, you need a refresher. He's the guy behind Universal Soldier and Stargate. Day After Tomorrow, The Patriot, Mel Gibson, we did like that one, mm-hmm. 10,000 BC, uh, Anonymous, White House Down, Stonewall, and most recently, Independence Day Resurgence, which I have still yet to see. I wear that like a badge of it's honor. It's terrible. I've seen it. After the success of Independence Day, he was kind of handed the reins to a number of different projects, but he chose this one because he was told by the studio that he'd kind of have free reign. He had no interest in the character, was not a fan of the series, and that kind of shows, but he was more interested in making an animal v. city movie, not necessarily a monster mashup. He wanted uh, a creature loose in a city, and that really shows. This, This is not very referential to the Toho Godzilla franchise from which it's based. This is actually the 23rd adaptation of the classic monster and the first Godzilla film to be completely produced by a Hollywood studio. Isn't that such, like, that baffles the mind that they would hand this movie over to someone who's not ingratiated in Godzilla lore? They often do this with these adaptations of these larger properties. I remember when we were also chatting, what, Freddy vs. Jason, when they had those two iconic series and the director didn't give a shit about either of them. I feel, I feel like this is a, a move on the studio to bring a fresh new perspective, I guess, to the series. They don't want it to be associated with their other stuff, but for fans of that series... It always comes as some, somewhat of a disappointment if you don't have someone behind the camera who's truly interested in the property. Well, and, you know, that works for a lot of sort of, I, I don't want to say lesser because that's not exactly the word I'm looking for, but, you know, cultural phenomenon. It, it's it, To me, it's kind of like asking someone to do episode nine of Star Wars who's never seen Star Wars before. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And it's kind of the same. I think Godzilla's kind of up there, at least, especially with Japanese fans and, you know, anybody over in the West who follows those movies very tightly. I think it's just kind of, you know, the audacity of them to give that movie to someone who doesn't know anything about Godzilla. 
And not only one film, this was planned to be produced as a trilogy of Godzilla films, of course, once they acquired the license from Toho. Toho was actually super impressed with the redesign of the character. At first, they were very apprehensive about changing anything about it, and they they had a list of demands. Roland Emmerich came in and was kind of like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't really care about what you... Because they have all these lists of rules, like you can't kill people, he only eats fish, all this stuff that's, you know, typical, I guess, Godzilla lore. And he was basically like, I'll see what I can do, but uh, this is an Emmerich picture. Right. We get what we get, my friend. We, God damn it, we sure do. But after the negative reception of this film, the trilogy plans were abruptly canceled. However, there was an animated series. Not the TV show! That was produced, that's right, as a sequel, and it aired on Fox Kids from 1998 to 2000. I do remember this show. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I remember seeing maybe one episode and not giving a shit afterwards. Whoa, dude, it reminded me of that show Gargoyles. Remember Gargoyles? Yeah, of course I remember Gargoyles. Get away from me. Sorry. I'm sorry. Apology not accepted. That's the end of nostalgia be damned. Come on. <laughs> so the other person who was originally uh, going to direct this, Jan DeBont, who directed Speed and a former Nostalgia Be Damned episode, Twister, he was actually brought on to direct in 1994 after they had obtained the license and left the project due to budget disputes, and that's when Roland Emmerich kind of stepped in to take over. The movie wound up being a box office failure kind of here in the States, but was a a hit overseas, so it finished ninth for the year of 1998 here in the U.S. It earned $136 million on a $130 million budget. It earned $379 million worldwide, and it also earned the most money in a single weekend for the year. It opened to $44 million in May of 1998. Now, legend kind of has it that studio executives saw the movie about three weeks before it was set to premiere, right before in May. And right at that point, they notice, holy shit, these effects do not hold up because I guess the software they wanted to use or the film they wanted to print on wasn't up to par with what they were originally intending for. Whatever wound up happening is the effects could not get finished for this Memorial Day release. <laughs> and so, you know, the product we see is the product we get. I guess they touch some stuff up later on on Blu-ray releases. It's like a beta release. But it is very rough, some of this animation. So I guess yeah. studio executives saw this and was very disappointed, thought, holy shit, we've got a bomb on our hands. Instead of just dropping the ball right now, let's increase our marketing, a surge of it, so that we get all the money in this opening weekend and then people, you know, it won't get word of mouth, which is kind of what happened. It blew up $44 million, which even wasn't as much as they were hoping for for this you know planned trilogy i think i saw it in theaters did you see it opening weekend uh probably not opening weekend but that wasn't really a thing that i did when i was that age but uh i probably did see it at least in its release yeah man you probably you must have probably saw it in that summer anyway i remember it being the talk of the town yeah roland emmerich insisted that full body shots of godzilla would not be used in any of the trailers or promos and all you saw was everything leading up to the appearance of Godzilla. It actually was a lot like the 2014 uh, <laughs> edition of Godzilla, which is very teasy. Don't even fucking and, uh, get me started on well, that movie. Really quick, though, uh, I did read a rumor that this movie wasn't shown to screen or wasn't screen tested to audiences. That's right. One of the very few movies... Uh, especially studio pictures, to not get test screenings. Uh, they didn't want anyone to see what Godzilla looked like 
And that was kind of the draw for you seeing it opening weekend anyway. We got to see what this fucking thing looks like. I remember one of the most fascinating or exciting trailers for me ever was when I was a kid and I saw in theaters the trailer for this movie and it was the the old man fishing on the dock and it's just the which I still think is an actual really amazing practical effect miniature however they did it it's it's clearly like a mixture of CGI and and practical effects mm-hmm. dude it like swimming up and you don't see it you just see like the fin coming out of the background it rips up the dock that was awesome there was so many of those quick brief teases that we saw that yeah really made you want to see the movie. There was all those bus ads that said size does matter, and that was their big tagline. It would only show the foot crushing down or something. There was also a a TV ad that cost $600,000. The shot was never used in the movie, but it was just a shot of Godzilla's foot coming through the roof of a museum and crushing a T-Rex skeleton. Basically, you know, a big fuck you to Jurassic Park. I remember (laughs) that. Not in the movie, but they shot all this stuff just to really hype this big budget monster movie, and I don't think we've really seen one on this scale since, until the recent Godzilla, the Kong Skull Island, the Pacific Rim. I think these movies are coming back into favor, but this kind of killed it, I think, for a while. Yeah, Cloverfield was kind of up there although we didn't really know it until it came out that's true yeah cloverfield came out in what like 2004 so there was a good break after that or 2006 somewhere around there yeah but back to that you know they they didn't want anyone to see what godzilla looked like fruit of the loom apparently lost their license to sell any godzilla related apparel when they leaked images of godzilla on the internet in uh 97 and what Fruit of the Loam didn't know was that the images they were given were unique fakes released by the studio as part of an effort to see which companies they could trust to not leak these images to the public. Holy shit. <laughs> like, That's devious. This is fucking... What a devious fucking film this turned out to be. <laughs> Although, lucky for Just them, uh, nobody really knew how to use the internet in 1997. So, uh, you know, whatever. Including the screenwriters of this film, because there's a lot of lines like, Oh, God. <laughs> the computer is on an internet or something like that. <laughs> it's good. This movie was also released on home video right at the time of Blockbuster's King. Everyone's getting VHS, and DVDs are just becoming available on the market around this time. The VHS alone earned $8 million in its first week in the United States, making it one the biggest video opening since Titanic. The DVD sold over 400,000 units in the U.S. by the end of the year, and was also reported that NBC, just to broadcast the rights, uh, just to obtain the television broadcast rights, paid over $25 million. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. People cared about this movie even after it was declared a bomb, which blows my mind. But I think it was just one that people wanted to experience. Maybe were a little ashamed to go out to see it because they heard bad things. But people saw this movie, and it is fond for many. Or is it? Do people actually care about this movie? Is this a movie people hold in high regard? I don't think so, right? Yeah, people tend to shit on this one. I I don't think... I think maybe at one time, but I think this movie... I mean, like you said, the... The animations and the special effects didn't really hold up while the film was out. I can't imagine that people are, you know, being any more nice to it now. Well, what were your thoughts on the 2014 Godzilla? You you did not like this, right? This is actually like one of your, your big bugaboos. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a movie that I, I constantly have to fight for. And you know what? It's upsetting because halfway through this movie, I paused it to look at the trailer for the next Godzilla movie, the King of the Monsters movie. Um, and I'm watching the trailer and I'm thinking, man, the trailer makes this seem 
really good, but then I thought about it, and it was the, I said the exact same goddamn thing about the Godzilla 2014 movie. I said the exact same thing. I was like, this trailer's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I hated that movie. I, I was, you know, it was cool when the monsters fought, but the problem with me was that movie has about four, like, false starts where they start fighting, and then we cut to black, or we cut to fucking... What's that? What's that guy's stupid name? Uh, you know, walking kick around. Ass? Ra- Aaron Taylor yeah, Johnson. Kick ass. Yeah, we follow Kickass joining random, you know, groups of the military five different fucking times. <laughs> you know, Godzilla's only on screen for like eight minutes in that movie. Exactly. That it drove me up the wall, and I almost wonder if this movie kind of makes it a double standard which is fucking awful but godzilla is all over the place in this 1998 movie he is and he isn't because if you actually parcel it out he's got about 12 minutes of screen time somewhere around there if you shots of just him i'm not talking about his babies just of godzilla himself because there's a whole lot of fucking dinosaur dragon babies yeah but there's about like 17 drawn out actual things that he's doing all right well i'm gonna ask you at the end of this which one is better i will say right now i am a fan of that 2014 one i didn't necessarily find it as exciting as i had hoped that trailer was fucking killer and i loved a lot of the action scenes in it but i'll agree there's way there's not nearly enough godzilla in it and it's it's a slow ass burn and brian cranston gets killed way too soon like what the fuck you use cranston yeah in like the first 15 minutes and he's the only one in those he's the only one in those trailers and they kill him off in 15 minutes but Ugh, at the time whatever. of recording the new one has not released so we'll see that one as of right now is kind of one of one of my most anticipated of the summer so eagerly anticipating that but let's get into this 1998's Gojira. Yeah, we've got about two hours to burn through in the next, I don't know, 30 minutes, so let's... let's oh, more like two it. hours and 15 minutes, yeah. Uh, and I felt every one of them, including this long-ass title sequence that starts oh, I off with it. some I archival it. I footage. It. Oh, you skipped it? What? Dude, yeah, I it's hilarious. It. It's all this footage of, like, hurricanes and nuclear tests, and they're all just cut, intercut with lizards reacting to nothing. So it's just the thing like- is, I this is the part that I felt... I felt comfortable skipping it because I remember it and I'd seen it a million times, but I didn't want to sit through two minutes of it. (laughs) They have, they just, there's no reaction to an explosion off camera or whatever. There's literally, they just have the vacant stare of lizards doing their lizard thing. (laughs) They take like deleted scenes of planet earth B roll and then like (laughs) intercut nuclear testing into it. It's pretty good. Uh, cut two, and there's a lot of cut twos. This is like a Fast and Furious movie of oh, late, where you just flash ever. to like 30 different locations, and I'm like, where am I? What am I doing here? But we start off, I guess, in the South Pacific Ocean for a quick minute. There's this Japanese fishing vessel that gets attacked by what appears to be some sort of sea creature, leaving one lone seaman to tell the tale. Well, that's always how it ends up with seamen. So we cut over to uh, Chernobyl in the ukraine uh matthew broderick is in the rain that'll probably be the last time we see him in the rain in this movie just kidding it's monsoon season in new york every fucking scene it's raining it's in raining new york i don't get in new york. it and he's introduced in this scene singing singing in the rain how cute with these headphones on that are guaranteed to be destroyed they are so flexing his pipes in water yeah absolutely ridiculous but he's digging up worms and uh we don't really know why as of yet it literally doesn't matter 
as a military helicopter comes down and he's like, I have a permit and I got work to do. And he's like, no, you got a different job now. Come with me, worm guy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here for, you know, Nick Zopalopoulos. It's Totopoulos. You'll hear that joke many more times. Why would they name the care? Why would they name that character this? I have no idea because I'd assume his Greek heritage, right? That's Greek. What, what, that plays no part Who in this movie. fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. It's good for, like, two I can't pronounce his name jokes. That's it. It's worth it. No, Nick it's not. Totopolis is Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. And he is researching effects of radiation on wildlife in the Ukraine, I guess. Worms specifically. Worms specifically. Chernobyl earthworms. Really cool. Yeah, he's brought to... I God, I can't even fucking remember where he's Oh, he's sent to. to several places. Within one one scene, I think he's brought to Panama and then Jamaica, all in the blink of an eye, to examine this trail of wreckage and destruction. But he's brought by the U.S. State Department, which is very confusing to me. Like, why is the State Department in charge of this? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like a weird bureau to assign this task to. It's the first of many odd questions that are asked in this movie. For example, like, why did you have to go pull the Ukrainian worm guy to test radiation effects? And there's no one else closer who can fucking do this. Yeah. And also, why is every woman in this movie so goddamn thirsty for Matthew Broderick? Because he's Matthew Broderick. He has the charm of an eight-year-old boy and the face of a bewildered priest yeah we get it it's ferris bueller but like he's met with this team that you know is supposed to be figuring this out it's like a paleontologist and her assistant are assisting the state department because the state department thinks it's fucking dinosaurs vicky lewis uh fresh off her role in mouse hunt which we last covered her in mm-hmm. she's yeah the red-haired doctor here she's actually looking quite good and she is also yes thirsty for broderick she can't take her eyes off the broad. Kevin Dunn, who we last saw, I think, in what? Small Soldiers, right, is the dad. He's Colonel Anthony Hicks, I guess, from the Parks and Rec Department. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Might as well But anyway, they, you know, they're researching and they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't think it's a dinosaur. I think it's a lizard that's been infected by radiation, a new species. Meh. My Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's a mutated aberration. But anyway, cut to fast forward to whatever you want. Out on the eastern seaboard, non specifically, a trio of fishing boats that are pulling one singular net are destroyed by something in the water, Brandon. That also carries over to the next scene where this old dude who's being berated by some homeless bridge dwellers about fishing, he goes off to do his daily fish uh, off the, what is this, the Hudson River? Is, is that where they are right now? Well, I want to say it's New York City, but that wouldn't be accurate to the uh, subtitle that we get there. We are in the city that never sleeps. Ooh, clever. Very clever. Did you, oh my god. Did you cringe or was that me when you saw that? That's the first of many cringes, including the mayor Ebert and his uh, trusty sidekick Gene, mm-hmm. who's introduced giving two thumbs up to the city. <laughs> oh boy! I guess uh, 
Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin were not too happy with Siskel and Ebert's reviews of Independence Day and Stargate, and so they wanted to stick it to the man and put those critics in this movie. It, what's really funny is Roger Ebert, of course, trashed the film, gave it, I believe, one and a half stars, but in his review mentioned, like, you know, if you're going to put us in a Godzilla movie, at least kill us. Like, what's the point yeah. of doing this if you're not going to? I expected to be crushed by Godzilla, and this was very lame. Yeah, I mean, Roger Ebert nails it again if you're going to fucking you know, go after him, you might as well go after him. But this old guy is chased uh, off this pier. I don't understand. He's fishing, and it's a great little, you know, set piece. Something's pulling on, I guess, a worm. I don't know why Godzilla would want a worm on a fish hook. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, I don't he's... Know. Uh, he pulls the fishing rod in, and then, yeah, it's a great shot. When they use these miniature sets or these practical effects, I'm really in love with it. Similar to how we discussed our, you know, affinity mm-hmm. for Independence Day miniatures. I like when they do that. When they do the CGI, it really looks like garbage. But this part here, pretty sweet. As he's destroying the docks, the old guy's crying and running off. <laughs> I like it a lot. I think it's I think it's my favorite shot in the entire film. Uh, preceded afterwards by uh, some pretty terrible uh, city shots of Godzilla stomping through the streets. So we get a little bit of our love interest and her motley crew of news reporters and cameramen. Uh, We should, Zach. We should specifically. Yeah, I know we (laughs) should, but it's like one of my least favorite parts of this movie. How can you not like Hank Azaria as a lovable New Yorker? How many movies are we going to do with with these cringy New York accents? I like uh, Hank Azaria in general. I love Brockmire. I should have recommended that. I should have saved that for my recommendation. Shut up. Yeah, I like Hank Azaria a lot, but man, just everybody in this fucking movie is just hailing taxis and getting a slice. <laughs> Maria Patillo is Audrey Timmons. Audrey, I, I get those mixed up because I don't believe I've seen that actress in anything before or since, or if I have, I forgot. Natural Born Killers. Really? She's in Natural Born Killers? Yes, she is. No shit. Well, I had to look that up. <laughs> I bet she did. But she is uh, Matthew Broderick's ex-girlfriend we find out yeah ex-college sweetheart and it they never explain why they broke up like i guess he proposed to her and she's like he did propose to me and then godzilla interrupts or something we don't fucking know yeah we don't know and i don't care no Uh, This is 1998, so the Simpsons are king of the ratings, and that's why. Oh, are they ever? We have Hank Azaria, Nancy Cartwright is in there for a quick little second as this news guy. What is his name? Uh, Charles Kamen, secretary. Of course, Kamen is hilariously portrayed by Harry Shearer. I will say this is a clever bit of casting, where of course he's the newsman on uh, the Simpsons. It's a great bit of voice casting to real casting, and he's good as this slimy asshole news anchor, or he's a reporter, I guess, who's just taking the stories from all these people because his assistant is audrey he's the lead anchor and reporter i guess in this news station and audrey is trying to get a job as a reporter and he's you know basically does everything but say sleep with me and we'll see what happens hank azaria is victor animal Pelodi. victor animal my fr- oh my god if anybody ever came up to me and was like my name's victor Pelodi, but my friends call me animal i'll be like uh you know what i'm not gonna call you anything i'm gonna go home he's a wisecracking cameraman he knows the streets in new york like the back of his hand yeah of course he does he's a big knicks fan he loves the rangers uh 
and uh, he, he's going to hail a taxi and go get a slice. But not today, because Godzilla is about to wreak its uh, first bit of havoc throughout the city. Very inconsistently, the ground starts shaking now that he's stomping towards. It wasn't five minutes ago, but, yeah. you know, the, the ground starts shaking, things start cracking, and we get, you know, scene after scene of endless destruction. I wonder if they had paid a bit more money, you know, towards the CGI effects and less towards all of this this scenery that they have to destroy <laughs> moment after moment it's it gets a little numbing yeah. but i will say it's impressive like the actual city landscape i know like some of the, the these have to be sets and recreations because there's no way they actually shot most of this downtown new york so it'd be impossible yeah but the times you can you can tell they do shoot some of it there but a lot of these exteriors and stuff holy shit the amount of work and effort it must take to recreate some of these new york streets is baffling i do say a lot of the shots where it's just like kind of street level going down like a long alley they all seem a little repetitive to me after a while sure and it kind of makes me wonder if maybe they are reused shots or you know at least just like slightly altered from earlier um but it it doesn't really matter because you have different kind of cars and shit blowing up every five seconds in this movie i mean you can tell it's a roland enrick film because shit cannot stop blowing up in this it feels extremely independence day and actually a lot of armageddon too But we get our first bit of political incorrectness here when Victor is running to get it, or I'm going to call him Animal from now on. Animal, because that's a cool nickname. Animal uh, is is a goddamn professional, so he gets his camera, gets some footage of what he can, and his wife yells, like, get back here, you hard R word. I was like, oh, yeah. boy. Although I got to say, Brandon, you and I have both been in that line of work. Would you have done anything different if you were that guy? Oh, well, there'd be a lot of things that I would be doing differently. Uh, for instance... Would you have gotten the shot, though? <laughs> oh, I would have gotten the shot. Yeah, I'm getting the shot. Yeah, I'd have gotten the shot, too. I'd have, I'd have gotten the you shot. You get the okay. shot. I just I didn't I wanted to make sure I wasn't alone there. I'd have gotten the I shot. I mean, you maybe use your rain gear... <laughs> yeah maybe a tripod if you if you have the opportunity <laughs> this guy's the worst cameraman yeah and he wonders sure. why his footage is like this like <laughs> he doesn't have a tape this. already in it. it's ridiculous yeah and he's like punching and beating it into it gosh guy you know you went to school for that didn't you come on brother <laughs> Anyway, so everyone starts convening, the military gets involved, and they start setting up base, and I had to, I laughed out loud when Matthew Broderick is, cha- is talking, I can't remember if he's talking to Audrey yet, I don't think he's met her yet, but I think he's talking to the other doctor there, and he's like, it's Manhattan, it's perfect. It's an island surrounded by water on both sides. It's the best place to hide if you're a giant creature or whatever. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking what about? What the fuck no, are you talking the about? The amount of times they lose Godzilla in this fucking city is Look, incredible. I get incredible. I get that this movie is obviously very pre-9-11, but there's no way in fucking hell at any point in time in New York City's history, in the history of that city, does a monster that size just suddenly go fucking missing. It just doesn't happen. And this is pre-evacuation. So that this is this leads us to believe that there are streets of New York entire blocks of new york that are just bare that this thing can tiptoe around the fucking blocks it's in the middle of manhattan (laughs) outrageous and i can't suspend my disbelief that i'm having a good time at this point because it's just so dumb but there's apache helicopters flying in between these fucking skyscrapers and shit it's insanity 
And speaking of 9-11, there's that cringeworthy moment where the guy's like, this is the most destruction since the World Trade Center bombing with the Trade Center like in the background as he says Oof. that. Yeah, it's a yikes. The World yeah. Trade Centers. Yeah, I think he meant the previous. Yeah, he meant but the previous. Yeah, it which, is, yeah, it is oh, one gosh. thing that I think about when I see this movie is like they say this right in front of the World Trade Centers and it is ew, not cool. Looters are starting to clean out some of the stores. Smart. The military is finally beginning to evacuate the city. Did you catch those two looters? By the way, one of them was like, oh, "I got a bad feeling about this no, man." He says, "You know those. You know that that bad feeling I get when I know bad things are about to happen." What? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what are you saying, Tony? Well, I'm getting that feeling. I'm right getting now. that bad feeling that something bad's about to badly come down this bad corner. <laughs> God, it's a bad lizard. It's a bad old big ass bad lizard. What? <laughs> Cody, oh, Jesus. God. Audrey has seen Matthew Broderick on television several times, and she is swooning so fucking hard. But this is when she realizes that she can get an in on this. So she steals her anchor's media credential and sneaks onto the military base to see Matthew Broderick. Yeah, she gets invited there after he's buying pregnancy tests, after he secures some DNA, because he's actually going to come into contact with the creature pretty soon. He gets a glimpse of it. Oh, and do we ever? Yeah. We also fail to mention Jean Renault, who is in this movie, the professional himself, Leon. He he is playing Philippe Roche, uh, a agent of the French Secret Service, who <laughs> is first shown in the movie waving a lighter in front of that lone seaman who's basically like, what did you see? I don't know how he translates that, but he's then mesmerized by the lighter and he's just like, Godzilla, Godzilla, over and over again. I only mention that because someone must have been recording that with film-like quality because that shot itself is used in news footage later on. That shot makes it into very several uh, secret tapes. Ridiculous. He must have been wearing a body cam. Why does the French Secret Service need to be like secretly involved in this is that explained did i miss that oh oh oh, he explains it later on but we can just get into it right now because it also made me laugh out loud he's basically like we are respond the french are responsible for the nuclear testing and he's there to like clean up their mess uh we bombed the cayman islands And he's there to clean up their mess secretly. So it's another like America hoorah moment. Like we're not responsible for this shit. It was the French and they're here to like God, help clean up the mess damn it. and then sneak off back to their traitor country. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing rolling? And them? the French are just trashing America the whole time they're there. They're like, what? No croissants instead of donuts. And like this coffee, it is terrible. <laughs> What the fuck? This is Welcome to America. Or the scene where they're like, they go inside and there's like guns everywhere. And like, how'd you get all this in here? And like, ah, it's America. This is America. You can buy anything. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, calm the fuck down there. Pepe Le Pew. What are you doing? Fuck me. Okay. We get it. So at this point. I mean, he's right. He really is. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. Godzilla is very easily evading the military by, I guess, digging some tunnels. So they get the. He's G- in the subway system. Yes, that's right. And he's just making some more, though. He's digging his way in and out. And I guess that's how he's able to navigate this fucking city so easily. I mean, if the turtles could do it, I'd imagine Godzilla can too. <laughs> very true. Imagine if they come across him down there. Hey, man. Whoa. Pizza, brah. Whoa, it's a big old <laughs> lizard thing, man. Gnarly dragon bra, sweet Jay Leno chin. Did you notice the chin on this Godzilla is very 
weirdly pronounced. It's one of the many things. Uh, how can you fucking miss it? <laughs> There's there's two things you can't miss on this Godzilla. It's his chin and his penis. Yeah, it's gone. It's either gone or it's weirdly shaped. Did you see his dick? Because I was looking every time the, the thing walked over camera. I think the last scene before he dies, you can get a glimpse of his little dinosaur dick. Watch, you get some dragon peen shown? Because he looks kind of dragony too, right? I mean, I don't know what this fucking thing looks like. It's like a cross between an iguana and a frog and a person. Like It's just weird. It's just a weird looking creature. I saw some of the sculptings and the original like concept art for what they wanted this to to look like and it's sort of badass i think that had they come out with the effects that they were hoping for this could have been something really cool looking but it's about four renders away from being passable yeah and it's too light when it's shot in the dark which is a lot and in the rain it's able to hide some of it but they they don't show a lot of it either there's very few shots of it like wide shot seeing everything and that's probably for good good reason and but that's also what's infuriating about this movie because again that's like that's what spielberg does to cover up the dinosaurs in jurassic park you know dark rain and like that's fine but he was also using puppets if you're using cgi first of all you should just be able to get away with it but they obviously don't have that kind of rendering done on it yeah even in 98 i guess they didn't have that computer power but there is apparently a couple of shots of a guy in a suit doing some godzilla things i think it's basically any time a head crashes through something that's actual miniature work with a guy in a suit and there's also some puppets coming up later on that we'll get into that add me in stitches oh are there ever (laughs) but at this point they get the genius idea broderick of course does to load up some fish to lure the creature out and i love that the secret service is listening in on this and one of the french guys leans over to jean renault he's like très bizarre no and he's like no very clever (laughs) also why like matthew broderick as they're doing this fish scene is like handing out orders to people what like why are they taking orders from the worm guy like like, why is he just suddenly in charge of operations i have no idea it's it's uh it is bizarre i don't get it but they dump a bunch of fish in the middle of i don't even fucking know where they are but and uh they wait for godzilla to come out and matthew broderick actually gets like super close to godzilla and he doesn't eat him no he doesn't eat him and that has always pissed me off about the character like i get i get it and i understand that in the original godzilla movies you know godzilla is a symbol and he's meant to represent you know protecting man from the harms of nuclear testing and war and all that stuff Yeah. yeah he's a god here the, the filmmakers just treat him like a giant fucking creature monster, and it becomes a monster movie, and that's that's fine if they want to go that route, but I, at no point in the movie, understand how I'm supposed to feel about Godzilla. Is he a good guy? Am I supposed to feel sad when he's getting shot at? Like, who do I want to win? Because the military is also perceived at times as really smart, and then at other times really dumb. <laughs> and then when he finally does die, like, everybody's like, oh, there he goes. Very sad. And it's like, well, wait. For a quick did second, you wanna, and then they start cheering. Like, dead <laughs> or not? Yeah, like, I'm confused. He bursts through the ground. And he poses for Broderick, who's taken, like, a picture of him. <laughs> yeah, using those uh, awesome Kodak 
um, vending machines that they used to have. But at first, you're supposed to be kind of scared that the Godzilla's arrived. And yeah, he gets inches away from Broderick's face and just breathes on him, gets some spit on him. Oh, yucky. That's silly. That's just silly. Disgusting. Instead of lighting him on fire or eating him or any number of things. They don't shoot him or something like that or they miss. The military does way more damage in this movie than Godzilla does. Oh, absolutely. They are terrible because they hold off for a second. The music swells. It's all triumphant. And they're like, oh, my God, look at this beautiful creature. As he goes over and starts eating the fish. And he's like looking at him like, don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. I'm just eating the fish. And they're like, fire, fire. Kill it, kill it. And yeah, he fucking dodges, dips, ducks, dives, and dodges all these missiles. Every time they shoot a missile, he winds up limboing around it. It's crashing into buildings. They're blowing up skyscrapers and shit. Eventually, they take the Chrysler building down. They do. The military, like, shoots down the Chrysler building by accident. And they're chasing him around with Apache helicopters, shooting him as he's navigating in between all of these giant city skyscrapers. It's it's insane. He's on crossfit this he's so fast he's fucking a dead sprinting there's also a prometheus moment where one of the helicopters is getting chased by godzilla and he's like i can't shake him and it's like you, you know these helicopters go up right yeah. <laughs> yeah and he gets knocked like godzilla just starts swatting him the helicopters out of the sky yeah. and they're crashing it's the first people he actually kills though i was wondering i was hesitant for a while is he not going to kill a single person because he goes forever without any on-screen murder until here where he knowingly takes out these helicopters yeah a couple of helicopters get taken out of it's pretty funny and once again, they manage to lose him. He somehow just evades, evaporates into thin air, or escapes somehow. There's this weird shot of Godzilla, like, it looks like he's grinding or dry-umping this building. It, he just grabs a building and starts screaming to the heavens. Oh, it's, it's so ugly. It's very weird. It's the <laughs> ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. This is when Matthew Broderick sees, what's her fucking name, Audrey? Yes, he's bought the pregnancy test because he got some DNA off of the... Uh, creature it, it looks like he's got piss later on i don't know how he got that or what he got but he says he has blood from the the creature so he's going to use it to test to see if it's pregnant by going to the one and only drugstore that's still open during this chaos there's fucking tanks on the street and this place is still yeah. he's like you know you were supposed to evacuate right i gotta make money i still gotta pay my rent at the end of the week what are you expecting from me to top that's probably the accurate thing about this is that new yorkers are just like no i got fucking shit to do <laughs> But they have this stupid little, you know, uh, meet cute thing where they chat about their past. It's been eight years. Eight years is long enough. Are you still mad at me? Are you still mad at me? Yeah, yeah I am. You left she, without saying anything or whatever. About? And she's the worst. She is a terrible character. Oh, she's awful. They're meeting in their tent and Matthew Broderick finds out that the the monster is pregnant, so he rushes to tell the military. And while she's in the tent, she steals the secret footage and fucking puts it out in the media. The only thing that I can give her credit for for not uh, doing this sooner or being even more vindictive about it all is that as she's chatting with him, he discovers, oh, wow, it's asexual. It's uh, it's created babies. I got to get out of here. And after he leaves in his temporary place of employment, he's just, just set up shop here. He has photos of them hanging up from eight years ago. <laughs> like, he, that's, buff that's Buffalo Bill shit right there. Yeah, he's fucking crazy. But... Um, 
I I got to tell you, this woman is the fucking worst because not only does she leak all this information, she gives up her source in the middle of the fucking interview. <laughs> yeah, with footage of him and everything. Yeah, like shows a picture of him. The military sees this. They're rightfully pissed and fire him on the spot. Who fucking cares if you're that guy? God. And he, yeah, there's all this footage that they weren't supposed to have of like the footprint, which by the way, when he first sees that footprint and he's asking like, where's the sample? Where is it? And then it zooms out and he's standing and he's like, I'm standing in a footprint. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, his performance here, I know a lot of it's the script, but he is on like half tank. <laughs> like he's, he's, he is not giving it his all. No, Matthew Broderick sees a paycheck and that's it. Hey, and I get it. I get it, man. Just, you know, take it and go. I can't say I would do anything differently. But she's pissed when her news report goes up Harry Shearer that uh, asshole anchor guy takes it over and uses her story and pretends that it's his own that he found this evidence and all this bullshit and uh, even mispronounces Gojira as Godzilla that's why we call it that dude he's a real Weinstein-y character too we failed to mention he was very touchy-feely in the beginning of this no so. I brought it up yeah I brought it up <laughs> oh you did oh well touche fucking Fuck. god damn it uh, yeah, that's what you call a lose-lose situation right there. So everybody's pissed, but this is when the French Secret Service abducts Matthew Broderick, and they're like, we've been watching you. We want to know where the nest is. Take us to the nest. So you're in? Yeah, I'm in. And when he says you're in, <laughs> this is what I imagined the the producers asking him with, like, a paycheck. He's like, he's like so you're in? The most dejected, like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'll take it. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, I was so checked out. But at this point, I was checking my phone, checking my emails. I was all over the place at this point in the movie. Anything, dude. I was watching paint dry at this point, but finally we get a little bit more action. I think things are kicking up when Broderick and the French boys commit a federal crime by posing as American military and sneaking onto this base. But luckily, Animal, you know, he goes back to his sweetheart's house and and, uh, (laughs) Audrey is there crying it up because she fucked up her life and Matthew Broderick's life and didn't even get a story out of it anyway. So he says, hey, let's follow them. We'll get some footage and you should be the one to report this to the world. I don't know why you're awful, but here we go. Animal's the most competent journalist in the entire fucking city, man. This guy's a hero. This guy cares. I really respect Animal. Yeah, for just above minimum wage for him to care this much, he he's, he's a videographer through and through. He's doing it, man. I'm proud of him. <laughs> but anyway, Matthew Broderick leads the French Secret Service to where else? Madison Square fucking garden. Yep, with uh, the camera guy and the the reporter on their trail. He fucked up the garden. Now I'm pissed. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, because he's a regular New Yorker. What are the Knicks going to do? Yeah, this is where the Knicks shower. He's getting chased by dinosaurs, and he's like, this is where the Knicks shower. Ew, dude, who cares? Godzilla has a second encounter with the military where he's shot at, sprints away, and winds up diving into the Hudson River. But guess what? The Navy is set and ready. They've got subs with torpedoes, and they start shooting at Godzilla. But guess what? This iguana is fucking smart. He outsmarts heat-seeking missiles and sends them back, killing whatever Navy was on board. It's a fucking lizard, a nuclear lizard. 
Yeah, he's fucking crazy, man. They believe they've taken him down at this point, though, after shooting the shit out of him just as he's made his way back to Manhattan. You know, the Christ-like floating corpse of Godzilla floats down to the bottom of the ocean. Humanity has won. Yeah, are we supposed to be sad because, like, it seems like such a bittersweet moment in the movie? Like, again, like, what is what is our stance on this fucking animal? Well, luckily, we're going to get many more, many more animals to uh, be conflicted as to how we're supposed to feel. Are we ever? Because it turns out in the garden, Godzilla has laid hundreds of eggs, far more than the baker's dozen that Matthew Broderick <laughs> thought he was going to... <laughs> Like, and our heroes smell like tasty fish. Ooh, because they've been climbing around in fish all day. That's right, because the fish, the, Godzilla was bringing the fish back for his babies, because I guess he can lay them and they hatch all in one day, and they're all born pregnant too. Yep, and this movie, I just want to remind our listeners, takes place in just one day. Wow, you know what? That's shocking. Yeah, it's really not that long. Yeah, it's, I think it takes place over two days because we have two night chases or something like that. So, so would you say it takes place within today and the day after tomorrow the, the day after tomorrow yeah <laughs> ah zach can i mute you on my end is that possible uh, why would you want to mute me for this because there's a fun little chase where they're getting chased around by the dinosaurs yeah the little baby dinosaurs and it's it's really not worth getting into like a lot of this chasing because there's you know it's basically them running around a destroyed Madison Square Garden, a couple of yuck it up moments where like Matthew Broderick opens a l- elevator and there's a bunch of dinosaurs there. He opens like five doors and there's fucking dinosaurs behind every single one. Yeah, opens the elevator, they're there too. Oop, wrong floor, and then just takes the elevator back. Oh great, yeah. <laughs> Glad we fucking are putting a two hours and 18 minutes in so we can get in the wrong floor joke but this is basically the jurassic park kitchen scene just done far less successfully yeah Yeah. exactly it's just it's just jurassic park at this point like it's it's they're velociraptors yeah they're velociraptors but they it's like roland emmerich was like what if we what if we did the raptor scene but instead of just two of them we had 400 what what you want cocaine? And they all they all look like that fucking purple dinosaur from Land Before Time when he got introduced. Remember that dumb looking one that yeah. Uh, that yeah, you know who I'm talking about, that purple one. He looks like a little T-Rex there. They all look like that guy. Yeah, I mean they they look exactly like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park combined with the uh I can't fucking remember the dinosaur that you're talking about, but I do remember what you're talking about land before time to go check it out wait is it something tooth spike tooth a dumb tooth or something like that no sharp sharp tooth i don't know who fucking cares nick audrey animal and philippe hide out at the stadium's broadcast booth and they manage to get a live uh, report out you know warning the public that all of these eggs have hatched and they're about to wreak havoc in the city so we need to destroy madison square garden we we don't even care about us <laughs> we just need this place blown up this is such a fucking stupid thing, too, by the way, because she's treating it like it's like an actual news broadcast. Like, if this was me, and Brandon, you and I both worked in this industry, if this was me standing in front of the camera, I'm not, like, staying composed, like, this is Zach Warren with uh, Channel 13 News. <laughs> if you take a look to our right here, you'll see all these dinosaur eggs. <laughs> They're going to destroy the planet if we don't do something about it. Here to talk with me more about it is 
Matthew Brat. No, Nectopolis. Yeah, no. I'm going in front of the camera. I'm like, fucking look, look at all this shit. You gotta blow this up. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> the creatures are about nine feet tall, and they really like fish. Yeah, and, like, uh... <laughs> yeah. She like calls him in for an interview. Like, what? Come give, and she tags out. <laughs> yeah, she does tag out. She managed to throw shade at the military too. She's like, so would you say that you were right all along? <laughs> yeah, like, what? What do you? Th- where do you think we are? Yeah, this is not the time to settle petty debates. This is gonna look fantastic on my reel. Like, uh, why? What are you doing? <laughs> He's, like, proud of her for getting through her first on-air appearance. Like, no, this is the end of humanity. You're a real reporter now. And, like, the French guy is the only guy who's like, we can't be doing this. (laughs) We've got to get the fuck out of here. We've got three minutes before the military airstrikes this place. Firebombs this (laughs) Madison Square Garden. Which, you know... God forbid Roland Emmerich not fucking blow up the most famous new... I can't believe he didn't blow up the Empire State Building. Or, to be honest, I can't believe he didn't blow up the Twin Towers. I was just thinking, like, so happy that that image does not exist in celluloid anywhere. It's cinematically like that. Like, good God. Thank God. We dodged a bullet there. Oh, we wouldn't be able to get this movie anywhere. I don't know if this movie would be on Netflix if that was No, I think this would be on one of those, like, video nasty lists you couldn't find. It'd be banned from the country. But the uh, entire French team is slaughtered by the dinosaurs at this point. Now they got three minutes to get out before they're bombed and they get to the center or wherever, but there's there's dozens and dozens of fucking baby Godzilla's blocking the entrance. And in order to get out, he winds up shooting all the lights down. Uh, You know, he's Leon the professional, so he gets it. But they get out just in the nick of time to escape this sick explosion you can tell this is miniatures really cool looking and i did laugh a lot as these dino puppets screamed as they were engulfed in flames <laughs> pretty good stuff yeah i laughed because like oh thank god it puts an end to the fucking baby dinosaur scene and i counted three count them three panther roars no joke like straight out of mcgruber yep whenever there's an explosion you can hear a panther roar in the background i know it's probably just to swell up the beef the base of the the explosion the boom they want a real hearty boom but it's stupid every time (laughs) yeah i also i think i heard like similar noises like an elephant at one point during a roar i don't know man godzilla is still alive it's like an hour and 55 minutes in it at this point i think oh let me get my jacket on i'm gonna where's the exit i gotta throw my coke away hang on a second what's this and then oh no i got how much more of this wait what no we have to sit through one more fucking chase with godzilla this time these babies are dead yeah, his babies are dead, and he's mad. It's personal this time. It's Jaws for the revenge. He is taking it out on these people that he knows is responsible for the murder of hundreds of his babies. It's essentially Jurassic Park 3. That, it mixed with the number two where they're chasing him around San Francisco on the streets because it's him running after this taxi cab. They, uh, yeah, get in a cab. Jean Renault's driving, and there's a bunch of yucks, man. A lot of jokes here. They're trying to navigate the narrow streets of New York City via map and arguing what streets are the best to take. And I'm like, hey, buddy, just drive away from the dinosaur. (laughs) There's some fire breathing. I think there's only like one or two moments where he actually breathes fire here. I'm assuming these are big, you know, moments for Godzilla fans. 
But all I'm hearing is another panther roar. I don't know how you can be like a Godzilla fan and be okay with a lot of what happens in this movie in terms of like what they do with your cannon. Well, that's the thing is Godzilla, when it comes down to it, is a little bitch in this movie. It's always running away from the military shooting at him. He's always just evading or hiding or sneaking away. There's no... Even the parts where you expect, oh shit, here comes some stuff. There's one shot specifically with these military guys underground searching for Godzilla and you see the circle at the end of the tunnel and then the eyeball opens up and you're like, oh shit, here we go. But instead, he just fucking like slinks off. He doesn't fight or do anything. It's like, well, what what was that? It seems like, you know, all the other Godzilla movies, Godzilla's purpose is to protect and fight other monsters. And in this, it's just a fucking lizard. Like, it's just a big lizard. That's the whole motivation for this monster well he manages scoffing down the cab at one point they're in the dragon dinosaur's mouth dude how silly is this this wasn't in jurassic park no um and that's okay they do eventually escape his mouth and drive him to a suspension bridge where he gets caught up and fucking shot this is kind of a cool little part anyway where he gets caught he's really dumb you know if he can outsmart heat-seeking missiles but he gets caught up in a fucking bridge well he he outsmarts the heat-seeking missiles because he's cold-blooded brandon don't you fucking get that no, but he also circles back around so that the missiles hit the submarine, unless he did that by fucking accident. I think he did it by accident. You're dumb. You know what else is dumb? <laughs> I'm dumb? The, reason, <laughs> the way they they escape you know, the vehicular destruction is they drive out of his mouth after Matthew Broderick uses a fucking stray electrical cable to shock his tooth. <laughs> Smart idea. Smart idea. Uh, He's trapped up in the suspension bridge, and they kill him with, like, eight Tomahawk missiles. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. They take the opportunity to bomb the fuck out of him. And Matthew Broderick and uh, Godzilla have a heart-to-heart, eye-to-eye moment before he finally just fucking dies. I expected him to be like just slowly utter on his way out like, fuck you. Remember me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Be good. Even watch his spirit leave his body. His eye, The light in his eye fades out, and the city loves it. There's cheering. Everyone's super pumped that Godzilla's finally fucking dead. It's hilarious. Fucking Audrey quits her job. Aud- uh, Matthew Broderick is super pumped up and like the hero. And uh, the French guy steals all the video evidence. He's like, I'm going back to France. Goodbye. Yeah, and Animal's really That's angry it. that his tape's <laughs> gone because of all that sick footage he got, dude. I'd be really angry. Because Animal's the hero. Yeah, Animal's the fucking hero of this movie, and uh, he gets boned the most. And it's really, like, late 90s. If I guess they had, they must have security cameras and other stuff that caught footage of this creature, but they play it out like that's the only footage <laughs> The world will never know. (laughs) (laughs) The world will never know what this this thing looked like because fucking the professional stole Apu's tape. Yeah. By 2000, uh, the whole country will be like, we'll never know what happened in the middle of Manhattan. What? (laughs) It'll be these like, yeah, retrospective anniversary news pieces on like just holes in buildings and the destruction. Like what caused this? Yeah, the gods, the Godzilla theory becomes a wild conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. The government did it, dude. Alex Jones spouts out. The water turned Godzilla gay. It was a giant fucking lizard that took it out. I swear to God. It was a giant gay frog. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, because he's asexual. He produces the babies himself. Dude, honestly, there's some merit to what you're spouting. The water turned the frogs gay, and they rampaged through <laughs> Manhattan and fucking killed a bunch of people. Have you ever seen that movie, Magnolia? And it was a, it was a good excuse for the military to come through and blow up the Chrysler building. Uh, speaking of movies, Gene, like, he gives Mayor Ebert two thumbs down and quits his job. Again, very yeah. clever. Uh, scathing. Scathing indictment of those two gentlemen. Very funny. But again, kill him. Kill him if you're going <laughs> to do it. Like, just kill him. And in the rain, as they uh, walk off set in the rubble of the garden, one egg remains intact and outbursts a sequel setup. One that would never come, thank God. And that is the end of Godzilla set to a thumping soundtrack. Uh, Come with me, P. Diddy. I remember this one, dude. Yeah, I forgot that this movie ended with this song. It was crazy. There was also a Wallflowers song, too, that was tied to this movie, I remember, at one point. But uh, neither here nor there. Zach, we're at the end of this, finally. Holy shit. You start. You start. (sighs) I started last week. You go first. Look. I am a sucker for big-budget, dumb monster movies. I liked Pacific Rim a lot. I liked the Godzilla reboot. I I think when you can see these creatures on such a massive scale fight and and bring destruction to these cities, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast with with creature features like the the Deep Blue Seas and Lake Placids. This is my bread and butter, especially when I was a kid, and even more so now. I, I I don't quite look at them as good movies, but I at least find them entertaining. This movie... At two hours and like 15 minutes, it's just way too fucking long. And there's not enough Godzilla in it. If He's really only on screen for about 11 minutes, and all it is is him, we see bits and pieces, him narrowly evading the military as they're chasing him all around. It's not what I want in a Godzilla movie. And while I can't speak for the fans of this franchise, because I don't have a strong affinity for the previous films... I just got to imagine this was a huge disappointment to them and to a person who's not familiar with it. It's just really kind of boring and lame and the character comes off as kind of a bitch. He's not that intimidating because he doesn't kill a lot of people. It seems like he's just running around aimlessly or his purpose is to lay eggs, like not protect humanity. I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Like we mentioned at the end, he dies and the music swells and everyone's really sad for a moment and then they all start cheering like... Was that how I'm supposed to feel? I, I I just don't know. At the end of the day, it's not nearly as entertaining as I want a dumb monster movie to be. However, there are some impressive uh, set pieces. There's some cool explosions. And I will say that the campy, fun, uh, so bad it's good sci-fi original movie vibe of it is a little... I wouldn't say nostalgic, but it does make me feel a little happy. I, I will say this is kind of one of those get drunk and revisit a movie that you haven't seen in a long, long time, but I can't say that it's really a good movie. It's not at all. So I don't recommend it to people who've never seen it at all, but if you have seen it, you really liked it as a kid, I'd give it a rewatch, but with some alcohol or something to kind of grease the wheels, because this is a bad movie. It's got a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll give it like a, I don't know, like a, like a 25, a 25 to a 30. I think it's bad, but it's not the worst of its type. I, You know what? I... I feel like I've given off the impression a lot of times to people who I talk to that I don't like monster movies, and that's not true. Um, But I think to have a good monster movie, what drives these films, really, because you can't have 
an hour and a half to apparently two hours and 15 minutes of just monsters running around the city. Like, you have to have some exposition. You have to have boots on the ground to drive the movie forward a little bit. And that's fine, and it's something I accept with the monster movies, but I think you have to do it right. And I think that's where a lot of these monster movies fall short. That's where I had problems with the new Godzilla. That's where I had problems with Pacific Rim, and that's where I have problems with this movie. I just don't enjoy watching you know, all the in-betweens, especially an hour and 20 minutes of it. It's just not fucking worth it. Um, when it comes down to this movie, it does it extra bad. Like, you know, I can put up with Pacific Rim and I can put up with the new Godzilla in terms of like, yes, it's bad, but it's just bridging the gap to the next one. Everything in this is just painful. The science doesn't check out at all. And I get it's a monster movie, but Jesus Christ, just a little bit of sensibility goes a long way for me. Um, Matthew Broderick is snoring through it. Hank Azari is fine, but he's he's not particularly funny. And the the lead actress, I think, is is just terrible in this film. The storylines really don't matter or don't make sense, and I don't care about them at all. I don't care about the love interest, and so I think that combined with what I deem fairly unimpressive action sequences and the set designs like you said are very cool a lot of the miniatures are cool you know just like we said with independence day but when it's all said and done and put together i think it just fails on every level combined with all the things you said i think i wouldn't recommend this to anybody who's ever seen it nor would i recommend going back to see it if you liked it as a kid i think just keep those memories with you and don't sully them because it's just not worth two hours of your day i'm gonna give it a a 20 percent and uh just try and avoid it if you can i agree the, the effects are just too bad if they were good i mean similar i know you don't like those movies but godzilla pacific rim you can't deny that at least the effects are fun and and well done well and that's the thing is like like i said i i have nothing wrong with the idea of monsters trudging through cities or like the monster robots fight in pacific rim although i do have a lot of problem with blue light and lens flares in that movie um but like even the new godzilla like when they fought i truly enjoyed that movie but the problem was that movie like this one is filled with about an hour and a half of false starts and nonsense so i think to answer your question from the beginning i like the new godzilla one and i'm gonna go see king of the monsters um, just because I know that's also bridging a gap to a King, Qu King Kong Godzilla crossover that I can't wait for. Yeah, that should be fucking um, awesome. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. I loved Skull Island and I didn't think I was going to like Skull Island. I just want these movies to be done right. And I don't think that they are done right a lot of the times. I think it's a lot of, you know, animation's expensive. And that's unfortunately how we do every monster movie nowadays. And I, I don't know. I just put the effort, put the budget in, make a good monster movie, and I'm all set. Could have got a recommend if it was a cool 88, 90 minutes, even with the dumb effects. <laughs> it's just a fun, dumb movie. If this was an 80-minute movie, sure, go ahead and rewatch it. But just at two hours, I can't, I can't say you should do it. 
Unfortunately, we're not getting any reprieve from the lengthy runtime next week as well. Uh, this one clocked in at 2 hours and 19 minutes. Next week's feature clocks in at 2 hours and 11. But before we get into that, Zach, anything you watched, good or bad, this week? Um, Didn't really get a chance to watch a lot this week. I did start a new series on Hulu that I was curious about because the executive producers um, are the Lonely Island guys. Uh, pen 15 it's it spells penis brandon pen 15 spells penis <laughs> nice new show on hulu about two girls going into seventh grade in the year 2000 um it's actually funny it's because the two actresses are both like 32 years old but they're playing their 13 year old selves and it's just kind of funny to watch them interact with actual children <laughs> okay all right because <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like it just, the aesthetic itself is kind of funny. I'm about three episodes in and so far it's, it's pretty entertaining. And, uh, it's actually, if we're talking about nostalgia, this, this is actually a lot closer to when I was in school than like some of these nineties and eighties nostalgia films that are coming out. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, it's not the best thing I've ever seen, but you know, if you're looking for a quick, easy, kind of on the raunchier side of comedy i definitely recommend it okay all right i re- revisited one raunchy comedy and saw a new raunchy comedy that i had not seen did you ever see take me home tonight with topher grace did you ever remember that one i i did see bits and pieces of take me home tonight yes Dude, it's kind of a fun one again really unoriginal yeah, it's and not pretty bad. forgettable but a good cast chris pratt's in there i forgot about that anna ferris a fun little 80s movie i'd recommend if you're looking for something you've never seen before or a dumb late night comedy it's shocking like it like you don't expect it to be as funny as it is and it's not great but there's there's a couple of good laughs in it yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's pretty pretty entertaining. I also checked out National Lampoon's Senior Trip from, like, 1995. Watched that with my roommate. It was, you know, it's dumb, pretty dumb, but but I had some laughs in there. But for my real recommend or not recommend, I guess I, I wanted to talk about Cold Pursuit because I did get a chance to see that one. That's Liam Neeson's mm-hmm. new actioner in the, the winter. You know, it's it's really... Boy, some <laughs> things about him right gosh, now, Gosh, huh? what the worst week of promotions for that guy. Like, just don't say those things, Liam. Yeah. Yeah. Just, hey, keep that to yourself, baby. Keep it to yourself, man. God damn, Liam. But anyway, the movie itself is, is another one of those Liam Neeson action movies. It's it's a lot funnier, or they're trying to be a lot funnier than I expected it to be. Light, lighter in tone, so it's kind of Fargo-y, but not nearly as smart. Uh, it's, it's worth a rental. I thought it was supposed to be like satire-ish where it was like he does he does all these like revenge movies and I thought this one was supposed to be like a wink towards that. It kind of is. And but it's also based off uh, an original movie that's on Netflix. I believe it's from Sweden called In Order of Disappearance. It's directed by the same guy and the lead is Stellan Skarsgård from Deep Blue Sea as we remember him, Dr. Jim Whitlock, the most brilliant man in the world pissing into the wind. Right. He plays it though because the character is supposed to be a very mild-mannered guy who goes over this transformation to become a badass so i could see stellan skarsgård playing that character liam neeson is already a fucking six foot five irish badass like he's already there he, like you just don't buy his transition i guess as easily like it's just like of course he's gonna start killing people like i don't see any of the satire here because it's neeson but, right uh you know again worth a rental if you're into his action stuff it's by far not the best or the worst so a mild recommend, if any. But uh, next week's movie, we're traveling to 2004. And finally, Zach, finally, we are going to steal the Declaration of Independence. 
National treasure. Brandon brings this up, I think, once a week. Listen, we've had this request for a very long time. A couple people have requested this, and this movie I saw a shit ton back in, like, middle school, late middle school, because they showed it a lot during history classes for whatever reason. (laughs) You want to know how many times I've seen this movie? Oh, boy, hit me with it. Once. I've seen this once, movie. Once, dude? Once. Yep. Holy I've seen shit. National Treasure one time, and I've seen uh, National Treasure 2 uh, 0.3 times. I've barely seen it. You never finished Book of Secrets, Zach? No, I think I watched maybe a third of it, and I was like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm done. Well, so, dude. Uh, very curious to see what this movie is like now. Um, Man, it's going to be weird. Oh, what a ride we are about to go on next week. I believe it's on Netflix right now. Netflix or Hulu, it's on one of them. So you guys can check it out at home if you haven't seen it in a while. But uh, yeah, it's an investment. Two hours and ten minutes of your life, gone. Mm. Between both of these movies, it's going to be close to five hours we'll never get back of our lives. How does that make you feel? Uh, Not great. It, It doesn't give me hope for the future. That's for sure. Nah, I am very hopeless. Hopeless indeed. But uh, anyway, (laughs) blowing those dark demons away. Thank you for listening, and uh, thank you for keeping the conversation going. If you want to shoot us an email, be sure to do so at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. We're taking requests or questions or just chat with you there. You can also shoot us an email or a message on Facebook or on Twitter. We're there as well. You can also check out this episode and every episode of Nostalgia Be Damned by going to nbd.podbean.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. I recently subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts the other day, Brandon. Did you really? Yeah, uh, which is weird because I'm a co-host of the show. Well, that's why that explains why we only have two. We have two subscribers. Yeah. Yeah, you and me now. Oh, well, I didn't want to hang on a second. I'm not going to tip my hand as to whether I, if I am or not the other subscriber, but let's just say two is not enough no i remember specifically you asked me to do it because you can't read and you needed me to bring no 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 no. skipping ahead of this whole uh, conversation there uh thanks for listening alita battle angel by the way it's in theaters so check that out (laughs) zach i know you want to see that one i mean i kind of (laughs) did and then i saw the reviews Oh, boy. Well, next week, dude, I can't wait to steal the declaration and your virginity. Uh, You're going to have to go back in time for that one. I'll see you later, Brandon. Have a good one from the worm guy. Uh-huh.